Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of AP Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. Separated and sent. Separated and sent. Look to your neighbor and say, separate from me. Come on, Tom. <laughs> Separated and sent. Now, if you were here for First Wednesday, this past Wednesday, man, we had such an incredible time. Oh, man, we had fun. And the Lord met us here. But if you remember, uh, I talked about living transformed. And we got into Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And I want to share that text as we get started today. By the way, I've got a lot of Bible for you today. How many of you guys know it's a good thing to get the word when you gather together? I got a lot of Bible for you today, so stay with me. But we see in Romans 12, too, the text says this. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And if you weren't here Wednesday, I need you to go back and watch the, the podcast. Uh, watch it on our app or website from Wednesday to see fully in depth what we talked about. But we talked about how when we said yes to Jesus, when we stepped into the kingdom of God and received salvation, that we were transformed in that moment from the inside out. We were transformed in that moment from the inside out because we encountered the Lord. Now here's what's powerful though that we need to understand. We were not transformed and then nothing else is supposed to happen. We were transformed to influence and change this world for the kingdom of God. We were influenced to, we were transformed to influence and change this world for the kingdom of God. And in Romans 12, I love it because we get a warning and we get some wisdom at the same time. And the first thing the Holy Spirit tells us in Romans 12 is, hey, don't conform. Don't conform. Why can't we not conform? Listen why, church. The people of God can't change the world if we are conformed to the world. We can't change the world for the kingdom if we're conformed to the world. But he says, don't be conformed, but then he gives wisdom. He says, but live transformed consistently. Live transformed consistently. And if you remember, we, trans, we live transformed by renewing our mind. By renewing our mind. Do you remember how we renew our mind? Through the word of God and through prayer. We renew our mind through the word of God and through prayer. Look to your neighbor and say, read and pray. Now look to the other neighbor and say, pray and read. We renew our mind through the word of God and through prayer. And so we see something. What's special is that when God saved us, God immediately separated. How many of you guys know that when you got saved, you were separated? Now, what does that mean? You were separated from sin, but you were also separated unto God. You were separated from sin, but separated unto God. And then as you were separated, guess what happens? As you become a disciple. See, you gotta move from salvation to discipleship. And as you become a disciple, guess what your calling is? You are sent. You are sent into the world. You are separated and sent. And so it's so beautiful. It starts with salvation and we're separated then. And then we get discipled and we're sent into the world. And really what we find, if you didn't know it, Jesus actually tells us that. 
John chapter 17, we're gonna spend a few minutes here today. Go with me to John 17, and we're gonna see that Jesus right then, he is literally praying, he's talking to the Father, and he's praying on behalf of the disciples and the people of God that are coming. He's, talking to the, he's praying for the disciples and the people of God that are coming after he ascends back to heaven. This is right before he was arrested and he was crucified. He starts to pray this prayer. We're going to be in verse 15. Read verses 15 through 19. See what Jesus says in the book of John. He's talking to the Father and he says, he says Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. He says, I'm not asking you, Father, to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Can I go ahead and remind you, that's why if you're a believer and you're living with that escapism mentality that says, Lord, I don't want to be here, just take me, it's too hard. Jesus didn't say, Lord, take them out. He didn't say, Father, take them out. He said, leave them here because they're supposed to be here, but protect them. He says, don't take them out of the world, but keep them safe from the evil one. Then go further. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Notice what he says. And just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice. He's talking about when he's about to give his life on the cross. For them, so they can be made, some might say holy. So they can be made holy holy by your truth. Now, now there's a few things we got to pick up today as we get started. Notice what he said. Jesus, just, he said, don't take them out of the world. Because why? He said, I'm sending them into the world to influence and change the world for the kingdom. Don't take them out of the world. He said, he said but keep them safe because I'm sending them. And notice what he says. He says, even though we're being sent into the world, we're not of this world. Now, for those of you that have grown up in church, that's where that saying comes, we're in this world but not of this world. But notice what he says. He says, just as I was sent into the world, he said, Father, I am sending them into the world. And what's interesting is he says we're being sent into the world, but even though we've been sent in the world, guess what? We're different. We've already been separated. Somebody say separate. We're separate. He says, no, no, no. He says, you're not of this world. He said, because you're a part of a kingdom that is not of this world. How many of you guys know that the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of this world? The standards and the systems of heaven are different than the standards and the systems of the world. And when we got saved, we stepped into the kingdom, which is not of this world. And as soon as that happened, we were separated. We were separated from sin, and we were separated unto the Lord. And it's in that moment, church, that we were made holy. Somebody say holy one more time. We were made holy, guess what? Through the sanctifying blood of Jesus. Anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus? You were sanctified. You were set apart in that moment because of what Jesus did on the cross. When he shed his blood as the eternal sacrifice for the sins of humanity, his blood immediately became a blessing to you and a barrier to the enemy. His blood immediately became a blessing to you, but it became a barrier to the enemy because you were separated. You say, Pastor, how do you know this? Hebrews 13, 12 says this. It says, therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. 
He said that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. But I'll go further. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So see something. When you were saved, something else automatically happened. You started to become sanctified. Somebody say sanctified. That's one of those other fun words that we like to say in the church that you were saved and you were sanctified. But here's what happens. When you were sanctified, what really happened is for the first time in your life, you experienced God making you holy. You experienced God making you holy. Now let me show you what I mean because in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 9, we find that when you said yes to Jesus, you join a remnant in the earth. You join a remnant in the earth. What does 1 Peter 2, 9 say? It says this. It says, it says that uh, uh, you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And so when you got saved, you were separated and then after he separated you, guess what happened? He equipped you, and then he sent you back into the world. He sent you back into the world. You were separated, and you were sent. Why are we sent into the world? Here's why, church. Because we all, all of us, we have genuinely heavenly assignments in the world which we're supposed to carry out. Each of us, not just people with pastor in front of their name or apostles or prophets or evangelists or pastors or teachers. Listen to me. If you are a son or daughter of God in the earth, you have a heavenly assignment to carry out in this world. You have a heavenly assignment to carry out in this world. And so understanding that we have been separated and we have been sent, why has he done that? Ready to change this world for the kingdom, to influence and change this world, to bring light into darkness, to make a difference. But the Holy Spirit warns us in Romans 12 too. He says, while you're called to be in the world and change the world, don't conform to the world. He says, while you're called to change the world, to go into the world, don't conform to the world. Even James 1.27, Holy Spirit warns us again. He says, refuse to let the world corrupt you. Refuse to let the world corrupt you. Refuse to let the world, another version says, contaminate you. You say, pastor, how can we be in this world and not be corrupted by the world? Pastor, do you know the world that we live in? Oh, I absolutely do. I know the world that we live in. And some of you are thinking, how can we be sent into this world and not conform to this world? You say, do you know the world that we live? It reminds me of this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 5. See if this sounds like the world that you and I live in. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. That's the world we live in, church. Can I just say for a minute, don't, don't think for a second that, that, that God will not release a prophetic understanding of the future. Paul wrote that over 2,000 years ago. And how dead on is it for right now? And we see this. That's the kind of world we live in. Pastor, how can we be sent into this world? 
to influence and change the world for the kingdom of God and not conform to this world. It is really simple. You ready? You've got to live holy. You've got to live holy. Look to your neighbor and say, we're going to have some fun. Come on, tell them. <laughs> We've got to live holy. I don't know if you saw it in John 17 or not, but Jesus actually prayed to the Father. And he said, Father, make them holy. Make them holy. How many of you guys know that, that holiness is not a denominational thing? It's a standard of the kingdom. Now, the Greek word for holy that we're finding is the word hagios. And that word literally means to be separated. To be separated. And remember what we talked about. When you get saved, all of a sudden you are separated. You experience holiness. See, holiness is an inside-out transformation. It doesn't start on the outside and work its way inside. It starts on the inside and works its way outside. And all of a sudden, when you get saved, you are separated. And there we find that God, and I'm going to show you right now, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, you need to understand something, that we are called to live holy. We are called to live. Everybody say the word holy one more time. Because I know some people, when they hear that word, they've, they've had experiences. So let me go ahead and tell you. Um, if you've ever seen somebody that was haughty about their holiness, it wasn't holiness. Because <laughs> true holiness is humble. If you've seen somebody and they've been judgmental about their holiness, that's not holiness. Because the Bible clearly helps us understand that God is holy. And we are called to live Holy, if you believe that, somebody say amen. And so we need to understand today, how do we change and influence this world? And we're going to talk about what that assignment looks like for everybody next week. But how do we do that without being contaminated and conformed? We live holy. We live separated from sin and separated unto God. Pastor, why is this important? Because the only way the church, the capital C church, can truly change this world is if we stay close to God. The only way the church can change the world is if we stay close to God. And let me tell you something about being close to God. You know how you want to get close to God and stay close? Live holy. Live holy. If you want to stay close to God in your life, you have to make a commitment to live and walk in holiness. And again, I think it's interesting, of all the things that Jesus could have asked the Father for in John 17, in that moment, what did he say? He said, Father, make them holy. He could have asked for anything. And the one thing he asked for is he said, Father, make them holy. Why would he do that? Because he understood something we're still learning, that God is holy. God is holy. Holy, our God, our maker, Jehovah, Yahweh, he is holy. Leviticus 19, we see the Lord speak to Moses about God's people and he says this. He says, speak to all the congregation of my children and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. 
He said, you got to be holy. He said, because you're mine and I am holy. But see, we also find in the New Testament that the people of God, we joined the people of God. We were supernaturally connected with the people of God when we said, yes, we were grafted in. All of a sudden, we see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 what God says. And I'm going to tell you, this text right here is enough for me to believe and understand that we should be committed to living holy. Here's what it says. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says this. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God. That's deep. That one doesn't feel good. He said, therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. What does that say? If you reject the standard of holiness, you're not rejecting it like a man told you to do it. You're rejecting the Lord. Understand the connotations and the ramifications of that statement. When you say, I don't have to live holy because I'm under grace, which apparently a lot of people operate in that capacity, he says, you're not rejecting a man's theory. You're you're rejecting the very nature of God. You're rejecting the, the very essence of who he is. He says so. He says God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. See, holiness is God's nature. And listen to me. The Bible says when you step into the kingdom of God that your nature becomes his nature. He gives you a new nature when you get saved. Ephesians chapter 4 says it this way. It says, if indeed you have heard, heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off. Somebody say put off. You put off concerning former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt. There's that word again, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You put on righteousness and holiness. And listen, the Bible says that you are given that nature when you say yes to the Lord. But can I tell you, every day, guess what you need to continue to put on? Holiness. You need to continue to walk in that nature of righteousness and holiness. And so we see this, that Jesus has commanded us, church. He sent us into this world to change and influence the the world. And even though we are sent, we are still supposed to stay separated See, I don't know where the lie happened that we were supposed to go into the world and have to be and act like the world to make a difference. We're going to talk deeper about that. Just put a pin on that one. We're going to talk deeper about that in this series. But what I find, though, church, is that this is so important for us to understand, and it's this. That the principle of holiness can sometimes be a little challenging. You want to know why? Because your flesh wants nothing to do with holiness. Can I get a witness from somebody? Online, that was your moment to type amen right there. Our flesh wants nothing to do with holiness. And you wanna know know why? Because holiness holds your flesh back. Holiness keeps your flesh conquered and crucified. Come on, somebody. Holiness will do those things. And here's what's beautiful about holiness. At the same time that holiness will hold your flesh down, it will keep you close to God. 
Holiness will keep you close to God. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Let me show you how I know that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says this. It says, work at living in peace with everyone. We need to talk about peace and preach that we're not supposed to be in strife and argument. We're supposed to live in peace with everyone and work at living what kind of life? A holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Now let me ask you a question. If you never see the Lord, tell me how close you are to the Lord. Hear it. Holiness is what keeps us close to the Lord. And we have to every day make a choice to continue to walk in that new nature, which is righteousness and holiness through the blood of Jesus. If you believe that, somebody say amen. Now, I, listen, I know I'm going fast today. Is everybody with me? Okay, here we go. Let's keep going. So what does that mean, church? That means living a life of holiness is this. That means that it will keep you within the living, life-giving confines of God's will and God's ways. Living a life of holiness, hear me, living a life of holiness will keep you within the life-giving confines of God's will and God's way. So what does that mean? Some of you were taught holiness through a legalistic mindset. Some of you were taught, taught about holiness saying, well, you gotta make sure you measure up and do everything right all the time or you're not living holy. Listen to me, holiness should not be a burden for the people of God. Holiness should be a blessing for the people of God. Holiness should be a blessing for us. And so we need to understand something. You say, well, Pastor, well, why, why should we be living in the life-giving confines of God's will and God's ways? Here's why. Here's what I've learned in life. Anything that is God-given should be God-governed. Think about that for a minute. Anything that is God-given should be God-governed. Let me tell you something. Your life was God-given. Your life, yes, your new life in the Lord has been God-given. And if it's been God-given, it should then be God-governed. What does that mean? That means it's his way. It's his standards. It's his principles. It's his foundation that you build your life upon. Why must it be God-governed? If you want it to go right, it better be God's way. Come on, somebody. We've lived enough life in this room to know when we do it our way, it will inevitably screw up. But when you do it God's way, it will work out every time. You want to know how? Because he's smarter than we are. Hallelujah. Is anybody thankful that God's smarter than you? I'm thankful. <laughs> I try to help the, Brennan with his second grade math homework. I'm like, Lord, teach me. I've forgotten. He's smarter than I am. But see this. God calling us to be holy, church, as he is holy. Listen, it isn't a dictator putting unrealistic demands on us. God calling us and commanding us to live holy is not a dictator putting unrealistic demands upon us, church. Can I tell you when God calls us to be holy, it's he is our dad saying, listen, you play in the yard all you want, but stay out of the street. Play in the yard all you want, but stay out of the street. Is that Listen, some people are convinced that the street's where it's at. 
Well, no, I, I don't want to stay in the yard where it's boring and in the confines of what God has said. I want to get out to the street because I'm missing out. Listen to me. God does never cause you to miss out on anything you were designed for. God will never keep you from something that you were designed to walk in. And so if God says, hey, you play in the yard all you want, but you stay out of the street, he's not being a dictator. It's because he's a loving father. He loves you so much to say, listen, if you want to walk in my ways, if you want to experience my goodness and fulfill the assignments and the purposes that I have for your life, you're going to do it in the confines of holiness. You're going to do it within the standards that I've set out for you. Why? Because he loves us so much. So what does that mean? It means holiness is not limiting. It's liberating. It's not limiting, but it's liberating. It's complete freedom in Christ. You say, well, pastor, holiness brings barriers. No, it doesn't. It brings boundaries. Holiness brings good, God-centered boundaries. And listen, those boundaries are blessings to each of us because God wants to keep us safe. Come on, church. He wants to keep us safe through holiness. Remember, what did Jesus pray? If Jesus didn't care, why did Jesus pray in John 17 and keep them safe from the evil one? He said it for a reason. You guys understand, we've had free choice from the beginning, but Adam and Eve were never supposed to taste that fruit. They chose to. And what did Satan convince them of in that moment? Listen, Eve was not hungry. She was deceived. He said, you're missing out. He convinced Eve that she was missing out. Eat this fruit and then you'll be like God. She already was. She already was like God. And so every time we have to under, listen, we have to understand if God says don't do it, he's not keeping you from anything. He's protecting you. That's the power of the Father in which we have a real and intimate relationship with. And so hear me, we need to understand that holiness is not limiting. It is liberating for the people of God. And we need to, just as Jesus prayed, may they be holy, we need to pray every day, Lord, keep us holy. Lord, let us be holy from the inside out. Lord, let us stay holy. And here's where we're gonna finish the rest of our time today. We need to ask Holy Spirit to help us to apply the standard of holiness in three specific places. Are you ready? We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us apply the standard of holiness in three specific places. Number one, our character. Somebody say character. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us apply the standard of holiness in our character. You see, I said a second ago that it's an inside-out work. I think a common misconception is that holiness starts with your conduct. But it really starts with your character. Because you're never going to do what's right if, you don't, if you're not who needs to be right in the sight of God. You need to understand it starts with your character. Your conduct, will, your conduct will never be godly until your character is godly. You say, Pastor, why is it important if our character is godly? Because the culture that we're called to go into is trying to assassinate anything good and godly all the time. The, the, the culture and the society in which we live, they're trying to assassinate attributes of godly character. Pastor, you don't know what you're talking about. How about this? Godly qualities are now mocked. Godly standards are now made fun of. 
Listen to me. If someone ever tells you that holiness is cultish, they're incorrect. It's Christ-like. It's Christ-like. I'll go further. How about this? How about honesty is starting to be clouded by situational ethics? Absolutes, things that we knew were definitively black and white, guess what? It's now being defined by relativism. Well, I'm gonna tell you my truth. Self-control has been overtaken by violence. Dignity and honor are being spit on by prejudice. Integrity being sold to the highest bidder. And commitment is now being determined by emotions in the moment. Don't tell me that, 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 that this enemy in this world is after godly character. He's doing everything he can to try to get you to conform to the world. Why? Because you cannot change a world that you're conformed to. You can't change a world that you're conformed to. And so there's a reason, church, that Jesus said as believers, we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. There's a reason that he said that we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. Why? Because we are the preserving, decay-defying influence on this planet. If he were to take the church right now, imagine what the world would look like. We are the ones. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the one. That we have to understand that our character needs to be holy. Our character, you say, well, pastor, what is character? Let me give you a description really quick. It's who you are and what you do when no one's looking. That's character. Who you are and what you do when no one's looking. So let me go ahead and jump to Colossians chapter three, verses one through five, because we're gonna see something about character here that Paul talks about to believers there. He talks to the Colossian believers, and here's what he says in Colossians 3. He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Somebody say amen. Man, that's good. And notice what he says. He says, so put to death. Put to death sinful earthly things lurking within you. What's that? That's your flesh. Remember when I told you? Holiness will conquer flesh. It will keep flesh submitted and held back. He says, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Listen to me. Paul is addressing character for the believers of God. He says, put to death all these things that are lurking within you. He says, put to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. He says, put those things to death. Why? Because if they infiltrate your character, they're going to infiltrate your conduct. If they can get into your heart, they're going to show up in your words and your actions. So he says, put those things to death. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 23, verses 25 and 26. He was talking to those religious people. How many of you guys know there's a difference between religion and the kingdom? Because religion's gonna leave you for dead, but the kingdom's gonna get you back up and raise you to life. But here's what he says. He says, whoa, everybody say, whoa, come on. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Then he calls them a bunch of hippos, hypocrites. <laughs> hypocrites. 
For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of extortion and self-indulgence. He says, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside of them may be clean also. He says, hey, he says, you try to cover up your character with your conduct. But your conduct's going to be always, your character's always going to be seen. He says, clean the, out, clean the inside first. What is that? That's inside out transformation. That's holiness on the inside, working on the outside. Now, how many of you guys know if you buy a cup, you're going to wash it? Now, are you more concerned about washing the outside of the cup or the inside of the cup? I just bought a mug from Disney when we went down there. I bought, I bought it at Animal Kingdom, and it was that movie Up where the dog always got distracted and said, Squirrel, you know what I'm talking about? Because that sums me up on most days <laughs> right there. And before I drank out of that cup, I washed it, and I made sure I washed the inside of that cup. Why? Because that's where the liquid goes. That's what you're putting your lips on, you're drinking from. The inside matters. And so notice something. We have to understand, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us be holy on the inside. In our, in our thoughts, in our, in our desires, all of those things, we have to say, Lord, let us be holy in our character. Why? Because God says, I'm holy and you're supposed to be holy. But then I go to number two. He says, after character, then he says, now you gotta go to your conduct. Look to your neighbor and say, it's going deep. It's going deep. Come on, tell them. Holiness in our character keeps our heart pure. Listen, even when you're sent into this world, you can still have godly character. But then we go to conduct, our words and our actions. We just read Colossians 3 through verse 5. Now we get to read Colossians 3 verses 8 and 9. Here's what it says. But now is the time. Is it, is it tomorrow or today? Today. Now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. What is Paul referring to? Paul's referring to what Peter said. He said, when you get saved, you have a new nature. No longer should you do those things. He says, you need to kick them out. You need to serve the devil at eviction notice. Say, you can't stay here anymore. But he says this. He says, get rid of those things. He said, get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. Don't do it. And notice, Paul's addressing our conduct. He just addressed character. Now he's addressing conduct. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you're really going to live holy, if you're going to go into this world and fulfill your heavenly assignment, you're going to have to be holy in your character and in your conduct. You're going to have to be. Because otherwise, listen, how can you change a world if you're not different? How can you make a difference if you're not different? But he says, get rid of anger. The Bible, I believe it's the book of James that says the anger of man never produces the righteousness of God. He says, get rid of anger. Get rid of rage. Get rid of malicious behavior. What does malicious mean? Vindictive, mean, nasty, and harmful. Man, we never see that in our world, do we? Listen, have you watched the debates? <laughs> You want to talk about malicious behavior from everybody. He says, get rid of it. He says, get rid of malicious behavior in your life. Then he says, hey, you need to get rid of slander. Do you know what slander is? That's gossip. That's talking about people. Look to your neighbor and say, I love you. You need to practice. Come on. 
gossip, dirty language. Listen, gossip, dirty language, lying. He says get rid of those things. Let me just, can I go ahead and just help with gossip for a minute? How many of you guys know that gossip is never godly? Gossip is never godly. You know, we had starting point yesterday where that's, the, that's one of our discovery phases for people discovering your identity. You go through starting point to learn about AP, but also learn about yourself. And you know, we actually talk about gossip because we don't like gossip in our church culture. Because if we have a God-given vision to make disciples and make a difference, we gotta have a God-centered culture. And guess what? Your, your, your culture can't be God-centered if gossip's in the middle of your culture. We say this about gossip. Uh, throw that on the screen, PL. We say this about gossip. Great people talk about vision and ideas. Average people talk about things. Small people talk about other people. Smaller people let them. Even smaller people join them and even smaller people tell others. Do not gossip. Well, pastor, what if it kind of sounds true? Are you kidding me right now? Do not participate If someone's gossiping, I would back up from that relationship. I would back up and say, hey, I'm not going to talk about that. You want to know why? Because your conduct's not holy if you're participating in gossip. Last time I checked, we don't do this thing for man. We do it for the Lord. So understand something. Paul says with all of these things, with gossip, with lying, with filthy language, do you know, he says, he says, get rid of those things. And look at Ephesians 5, he goes deeper. He says, fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness. He said, let none of it be named among you as is fitting for saints. He said, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting. He said, for this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Foolishness, filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting. Can I say something about sarcasm? If the Lord refused to take, if he made all of us take sarcasm out of our vocabulary, some of us would have nothing else to say. Can I get a witness from somebody? Despite popular opinion, sarcasm is not a spiritual gift. And so we have to understand something. It's okay to have fun and joke around, but be careful. Don't let those things be a part of all of your speech. Because I'm going to tell you, there are some people that are listening to you that you don't know they're listening to you. And you're not letting them know that you're holy the way that God called you to be holy. So what does Paul say? He says, we got to be holy in our character. We have to be holy in our conduct. And number three, we have to be holy in our calling. Some might say calling. Man, the Lord's called us to do great things, church. He's called you. I don't care what season you are in life. He has called you to still do great things, to do supernatural things. Listen, to influence and change this world for the kingdom of God. Pastor, how do we stay holy in our calling? I got one scripture and then we're gonna pray. Ephesians chapter four, verse one. Paul said, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. You're not gonna hear Paul say he begs you very often. He said, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. 
Your calling wouldn't matter if God didn't call you. But God did call you. God did call you. And because God called you, Paul says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Pastor, how can I live a life worthy of my calling? You ready? Live holy. Live holy. We talked about last week how the Bible says that whether we're here in earth in this body or whether we're here in heaven, our goal is to please the Lord. To please the Lord. If you want to make sure you're even holy in your calling, because I'm going to tell you, as we get into this series and you understand how God has called you, you want your holy to be calling. You want your calling to be holy, sorry. You want your calling to be holy and set apart. Why? Because God separated you, but he's also sent you. And he has sent you to influence and change this world for the kingdom of God. But the only way we don't conform, church, is when we say, Lord, you're holy. Let us be holy. Lord, you're holy. Lord, keep us holy. Oh, my God.